Our scripture reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 21. It's on page 1591 in your pew Bibles. Luke 2, beginning at verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The word of the Lord. And what we're interested in this morning, in this morning is not Zachariah or Simeon's prophecy about Jesus later on, but most particularly his song in verse 29 through 32. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, just three days ago, we once again heard the great proclamation, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And then we heard the heavens explode with the songs of the angels, Glory to God in the highest. Certainly the hosts of heaven responded to the message with great joy and thanksgiving. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords had been born. God had come in the flesh. That indeed is the message of Christmas. Among all the faiths on earth, it is a unique message, a, mis a message that Christians everywhere have declared and everywhere have celebrated. Actually, it's a message that Christians everywhere continue to declare and continue to celebrate. Well, once the shepherds heard the message, they immediately, says the Bible, hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. 
And when they had seen him, as we just sang, they, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Such was their response to the good news. Meanwhile, magi, or wise men, or astrologers, or as the study Bible puts it, Gentile specialists in the supernatural, not kings, had noticed that some sort of special star appeared when Jesus was born, and so they began to travel to the place where Jesus, where the star pointed. We're not sure who, what they actually saw Jesus. No, sorry, we're not sure exactly when they saw Jesus, but it was sometime before Jesus was two years old. And then they came with their gifts to worship the one who has been born King of the Jews. Such was their response to the good news of Jesus. And now this morning we read yet another response to Jesus' birth on the part of an old man by the name of Simeon. We come to know something about Simeon when Christmas finally came to Jerusalem 41 or maybe 42 days after Jesus was born. Now how can we be sure it was 41 or 42 days? Well, Luke 2 verse 22 gives us a clue. When the time of their purification had been completed, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer sacrifice. If you have your Bibles open, you will notice that the verse includes some statements about all this being according to the law of Moses and the law of the Lord. Joseph and Mary's trip to Jerusalem was in line with the Old Testament laws that governed Jewish society for centuries. Any woman was considered to be ceremonially unclean for a period of seven days following the birth of a son, which allowed then for the sign of the covenant circumcision to take place on the eighth day, but she was still considered to be unceremonially, ceremonially unclean for an additional 33 days following the birth of a son. Leviticus 12, that's where we find all of that. If you want to read it, go to Leviticus 12, you'll see it there meaning that she was to stay away from any of the holy places or holy things, the temple, sacrifices, worship, and so on. And then after 40 days, the mother was to go to the temple and go through a purification ceremony. And such a ceremony for the poor meant the offering of a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So that's what they went to do. Besides the purification ceremony, it was also customary, according to the law, that every firstborn male be consecrated to the Lord for a life of service. That's where we read in Exodus 13. That's where we find that command. Like the people were to offer the first fruits of the harvest to the Lord to show that the harvest was from the Lord in the first place, so all firstborn sons were to be consecrated, representing something of the Lord's claim on all things. All things belong to him and are for his service. And so it was that Jesus, being the firstborn of Mary, was brought to the temple in Jerusalem to be consecrated to the Lord. So after Jesus was born, 41 days to be exact, Joseph and Mary took the little boy with them to the temple for those two reasons just mentioned, for Mary's purification ceremony and to present him to the Lord, verse 22. 
But on their way into the temple to carry out these Old Testament laws and duties, an old man by the name of Simeon interrupted them. Now, after all that they had experienced to this point, I, I can't imagine that Mary and Joseph were terribly surprised that yet another unusual event was taking place. We don't know much about Simeon. Actually, we know nothing about him at all other than what we glean from Luke's testimony concerning his spiritual well-being. Luke's testimony is glowing. Look at verse 25. Righteous and devout. Simeon obviously had a reputation, a really good reputation. Here is someone who served the Lord with his whole heart. He probably wasn't flashy about it, but probably was steadfast in his knowledge of the Lord and the Lord's promises concerning the coming Messiah. Simeon, as he waited for the consolation of Israel, that's what we read there, knew and understood what the problem was with himself and with the rest of the people. He knew and understood that it was sin and that it was rebellion that made it necessary for a Messiah to come. And Simeon knew and Simeon understood that in and of themselves there was no way that any human being can escape the wrath of God. Only a miracle could save the people and so he longed, he ached for the miracle to happen. He wanted it badly. He lived in eager anticipation that he might see the Messiah in his lifetime. And the Holy Spirit, who was on him in a, in a unique way, had told him, you will not die until you see the Messiah. Simeon was a man who lived very, very close to the Lord and clung to his promise. Another one of those people in the Bible I would love to meet. Well, as the young couple entered the temple, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that the little child that they were carrying was the Messiah. This is him. And so it was that 41 days after the birth of Jesus Christ, Christmas came to Jerusalem. 41 days or 40 days earlier, there had been no angel choirs, no shepherds making proclamations or telling stories in Jerusalem. The Magi had not yet arrived. And so Jerusalem had been quiet and the people had gone about their business as they always had. But now things were about to change. For the child in the arms of his parents was the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. How excited the old man must have been. Yahweh had been true to his promises. All that Simeon knew about the Old Testament prophecies was, was, was reality in the person of that little child resting in the arms of his parents. God was true to his word. How exciting. We're not told if he asked permission to take the child in his arms, but take he did. And even in the simple act of taking the child out of the arms of his earthly parents, it was made clear for all to see that Jesus did not belong to Mary or to Joseph. Sure, he was entrusted to them for his youth, 
But Jesus came for many. He came to save his people. Christmas was not to be just for one family or even for a few shepherds, but for the whole of the world. And something of the worldwide significance of Christmas is demonstrated through Simeon taking the child in his arms. And then with the child in his arms, we hear yet another song of Christmas. Eugene Peterson in the message puts it this way. God, you can now release your servant. Release me in peace as you promised. With my own eyes I have seen your salvation. It's now out in the open for everyone to see. A God revealing light to the non-Jewish nations and of glory for your people Israel. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. He's a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is glory to your people Israel. Sovereign Lord. In that opening address to the Lord, the Lord is recognized as the king, as the ruler of all, and Simeon places himself in a servant's position. And he knows that only masters have the right to discharge their servants. Only a superior has the right to discharge a watchman. And that's really what Simeon was. He wasn't necessarily asking now to die, but he was waiting for and he was watching for the consolation of Israel, for Jesus. Just like watchmen stood on the walls of Jerusalem waiting and watching for enemies or the arrival of a great king or whatever. And once they have stood and watched and waited and then announced, then they can be discharged from their duties. As you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. As one writer put it, Simeon sings, as it were, the doxology of the old covenant. As a representative of the Old Testament people of the Lord, those watching and waiting, Simeon's task was now complete. He had run the race. He had seen the prize, held the prize. And now he can die in peace, knowing that all things will be well. As Reverend Kyvan Hoven put it in his devotional, quote, now the Old Testament exits. This is the end of one watch. It's also the beginning of another. The guard has been changed. Now the people of the Messiah, the true covenant, are those who watch, wait, and pray. These saints, their watch are keeping, their cry goes up. How long? Much like Simeon's cry. And soon their night of weeping will be the morn of song. The watchman has completed his duties. Simeon is now at peace. The deliverer. The victor, also over death, has come and was right there in his arms. God had been true to his word because those walking in, light, in darkness had been given a light, the light of the world. But like Christmas is not for one family or for a few shepherds, so Christmas in Jerusalem was not for one old man or one old woman. We'll hear about Anna tonight. 
Now remember that in the book of Daniel, that stone was cut out of the mountain. It was in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and that stone rolled down the mountain, and they kept growing, and it kept growing, and it kept growing until it covered the whole of the earth. And so Simeon sings that the salvation prepared is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. There's nothing narrow about this old man's thinking at all. He doesn't keep Jesus for himself. Instead, he proclaimed the importance of Jesus, not only for Israel, but for the Gentiles, for that entire world outside of Israel. Of course, that's also Luke's theme or point throughout his gospel and also in the book of Acts. Jesus came for more than merely the Jews. Jesus came so that all who believe might have eternal life. And while both Jews and Gentiles need the light of salvation, Simeon attributes light to the Gentiles since they were considered to live in the deepest darkness, not having access to the prophets or to the law of God. And in Jesus, the light of the world, such people now see the truth of salvation. The people of Israel also need light too, of course. But Simeon sings about Jesus as being Israel's glory. And that makes us think specifically of the gracious honor given to Israel, namely that God chose them from among the nations of the world out of love to bring forth the Christ child. God's glory, Israel's glory, sorry, was her having been blessed by the Lord to help carry out the plan of salvation. Christmas came to Jerusalem 41 days after Jesus had been born. But the joy only continued as the light penetrated the darkness. And ever since, the church has continued to grow and increase. In fact, the rest of Luke's writings point to the spread of the gospel and the continued growth of the Christian faith so that when we reach the end of the book of Acts, We find ourselves in Rome, and we also find ourselves in different parts of Europe. And that growth, that light, continues even today. You know, this song of Simeon, every time I hear it, every time we sing it, every time I think about it, it reminds me of someone I had the privilege of ministering to who was dying. But dying was very, very difficult for him, for he struggled with his faith. So the fact of the matter was that while he was in the hospital and nearing the end of his life, he did not want to die. He should have died a whole lot earlier than he did, but he didn't. He didn't want to die. However, struggled and struggled and struggled. And then one day, when I came for my visit, he was noticeably calmer and less restless. And I asked him, so what's up? You've been struggling, and now this is how you are. And then he recited the words of Simeon's song to me. It wasn't around Christmas time. It was in early summer. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And then he testified that such a prepared salvation was also his by grace. And I remember that to this very day, even though it was decades ago that he died. And it was no problem knowing what in the world would be his funeral text 
That was the funeral text, the song of Simeon. The church of Jesus Christ grows and continues to go, and even this morning as the service will proceed, we're going to hear how five other people have responded in a sense to the message of Christmas as we proceed with five public professions of faith and as we witness the sacrament of baptism. The prayer of Simeon hangs over all of this in response to the incredible message of Christmas. Sovereign Lord, our eyes have beheld your salvation in Christ. And now we can live in the comfort of knowing that we belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. What a gospel. Amen.